Psalm 29 this morning, and then Ian is going to come and speak to us. So, <clears throat> Psalm 29. So the Psalms are, are poems, they're songs, okay, which means, you know, you don't read poetry in a literalistic, wooden kind of way, all right? A lot of it is how it makes you feel, okay? So bear that in mind. All right, Psalm 29. Think about how this makes, what's the overall impression this gives you? Ascribe to the Lord, you heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due to his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon leap like a calf, Syrian like a wild ox. The voice of the Lord strikes with flashes of lightning. The voice of the Lord shakes the desert. The Lord shakes the desert of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord twists the oaks and strips the forests bare. And all in his temple cry glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord is enthroned as king forever. The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. Ian. Thank you for that reading, John. Um, before I uh, get into my talk, I'll just share a few um, stories, uh, some catering experiences. So I've worked in different places as a chef, but for many years I worked in a Bible college and it was such a privilege for me because every year you got a new intake of students and you had a captive audience for three years. So although I wasn't studying theology at the time, I was just simply cooking their food, we used to have wash-up teams. So all the students would be rotated to do some time in the kitchen. And it was a great opportunity to meet students. And I became a, a tutor to them. So I want to tell you a couple of stories. So... This student came in, all, hands up anybody that's actually studied in a Bible school. Yeah? It's an interesting experience. So this student came in, she was on wash-ups, and she became a close friend of uh, myself and my wife. And she came in, she was really stressed. And I said, Regina, I said, what's wrong? You look really stressed. Such a comforter. She says, yeah, she says, I am. She says, we've just had these lectures on the book of Hebrews. And she says, we're not absolutely sure who wrote the book of Hebrews. Some scholars say it was the Apostle Paul. And others, they bring out another name. We don't know exactly who wrote the book of Hebrews. So I said, Regina, I can explain to you quite clearly who wrote the book of Hebrews. She goes, you, you can, and I'm just a chef. I said, yes. 
The person who wrote the book of Hebrews was the person who wrote the book of Hebrews. It's not so important who wrote it. It's the content of the message of the book of Hebrews. She goes, wow. She says, where did you get your wisdom from? It changed a life forever. So they used to have students doing BAs in theology, but then they had the MAs. And they were interesting because they were very, very clever, studious people. So we were serving all these students and there was this guy came in. He was an MA student and he looked stressed out. So I brought those encouraging words to this uh, student. I said, you look stressed out. What's wrong? He says, ah, he says, we've been studying the Trinity. He says, I've had this lecture, that lecture. I've been reading all these books. I just can't get around it in my head, explaining the Trinity. It doesn't make sense to me. I said, the Trinity? I says, let me explain it to you. So this is the servery area where we feed the students. So I grabbed three Coca-Cola cups, large Coca-Cola cups. I said, I will explain to you the mystery of the Trinity. So I got three Coca-Cola cups. I said, watch this. I stacked them all together. I said, there's only one true and living God. Not three gods, not three million gods. There's one true and living God. I says, but get this. And then I took the stack apart and put the three cups separately. I said, we have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I says, you see how they all say Coca-Cola on the cup? They share the same divine nature. I said, the Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Holy Spirit. Yet watch this. I stacked them together. One true and living God. He goes, wow. He says, I get it. You can see my theology is not very deep. (laughs) So yeah, so Psalm uh, 29, verse 11. The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. Now, there are all sorts of different preachers in the world. Some of the hellfire and damnation, uh, they're the ones that give you what I call the bad news of the kingdom, okay? Um, But I'm kind of a little bit more gentle. So I've come to encourage you today. And just to remind you of that psalm, the Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. I want to speak to you on the theme of resilience. Um, people have said to me, Ian, these are non-believers, they've said to me, Ian, you need to wake up and smell the coffee. Has, has anybody heard that phrase? Wake up, smell the coffee. In other words, get real, understand what's really happening. And people think that as a Christian, that we think, that I think, that life is full of a bed of roses. Okay. Well, I know that life is full of trials, struggles, pains, fears, worries, disasters. Life can be a mess. Well, actually, life is a bed of roses. We've got a rose bush at home, and I've tried to cut it back, even with gloves. And a beautiful, fragrant rose bush has thorns, and they hurt. So in a sense, life is a bunch of roses. It's the the smell, the fresh smell of the flowers, but also there's thorns as well. I'm not a prophet, but I can guarantee that each one of us is going through a trial at the moment or has come out of a trial or will go through a trial. 
we will always have struggles. So to all those people that have said to me, Ian, you need to wake up and smell the coffee. You need to get real. I would say, actually, you need to wake up and smell the fragrance of Jesus. We have a God who is on our side. How do we, um, as Christian believers, how do we have resilience in our life to keep going through the pains, the pressures, and the trials of life? Here's a couple of, uh, or three um, dictionary definitions of resilience. Resilience is an ability to recover from or adjust easily to misfortune or change. Resilience is the strength of character to keep going even when we encounter change. Resilience is, and I love this, resilience is springing back, rebounding, returning to the original form or position after being compressed or stretched. How's your life going? Are you going through a time of stretching? Have you been bashed around a little bit? God wants to bring resilience into my life and into yours. And the Lord gives us a promise. He gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. There's an African proverb which says, smooth seas... Do not make skillful sailors. Smooth seas do not make skillful sailors. What makes a skillful and resilient sailor is actually navigating troubled waters. Through experience, sailors become better at it. And in life too, actually God would do us no favors If everything was simple, uncomplicated, happy, wonderful, amazing all the time, we actually need struggles to make us stronger. And as we navigate this, if you like, the seas of this world, the oceans of this world, having calm waters all the time doesn't actually build our character. So I don't understand always how the God, the emperor of the universe, works. If I, if I ruled the world, I'd probably do it differently. But God tells us we are going to have trials and struggles in our lives. Even Jesus himself said those encouraging words, you shall have tribulation. And tribulation basically means it's not going to be great all the time. So how do we build resilience in our life. Part of it is to do with how we react to life and how we respond. And I remember somebody said, what's the difference between an egg being dropped to the floor and a tennis ball? An egg falls to the ground and it cracks. It's a mess. But a tennis ball bounces back. God has put within us The ability to be like a tennis ball, to keep bouncing back, not to be crushed by our circumstances. Proverbs 24 verse 16 says, The righteous may fail seven times, and he will get up again. 
And um, the message paraphrase puts it this way. No matter how many times you trip them up, God-loyal people don't stay down long. God has given us the opportunity and the power to be resilient people, not to stay down, but to bounce back from our struggles. And in Psalm 29, verse 11, when it says the Lord gives strength to his people, I started to dip around into the Hebrew language. And you know we always talk about Australians being Aussies. You'll never forget this. The Hebrew word there for strength is Oz. The Lord gives Oz to his people. And it literally means in the Hebrew language, strength, might, power. And some words in the Bible that are connected with Oz are daring, courage, refuge, fortress, stronghold, all branching out from that word, Oz. The Lord gives strength to his people. God wants us to be resilient, and he promises that we can have a place that is like a fortress, like a stronghold, a refuge in him. God makes us resilient. I remember somebody told me a story of a, a boxer. And um, I don't know the rules of boxing. Whenever I've seen boxing, it just seems like people just thump the daylights out of each other. And somehow, one of them wins by knocking the other guy out. I'm sure there must be points as well, but it just seems like a, a, like a backstreet brawl. They're just, just smashing each other to bits. And somebody relayed this story of a coach coming to his, um, the, the boxer that he'd trained, but his particular boxer wasn't winning the game. Every round, he was just getting pulverized by this other boxer. But every time the boxer that he trained came back with all the bruises and the cuts on his face, he said to his boxer, just one more round. All I'm asking, just go out into the ring, just one more round. So the guy that he trains up gets up, fights another round, gets pulverized, goes back to the corner. And his coach says to him, all I'm asking of you, just one more round. Just give it one more round. So he goes out, gives his best, gets thumped, beaten up again, comes back to the corner. His coach says, all I'm asking of you, just one more round. And through the encouragement from his trainer, the boxer who's getting pulverized, who's getting defeated, suddenly gets that inner strength. An attitude changes within him. I'm not going to give up. And he goes out, bang, and he wins the match. Keep on going. That boxer was learning resilience. Don't give up when it looks like the battle um, has been lost. But how does God give us strength? How does he give us resilience? Have you ever been in a place where you just don't know the answers? You don't know where to go. Everything seems to have gone wrong. What is the pathway? And you just feel like backing down, giving up. It might be running out of a job that's not going well, or there's a situation in your family. It's like, oh, I just don't understand. It's just not working, and you just want to give up. Keep going. Remember that boxer, don't give up. 
Thomas Edison, who um, everybody says he's the guy that invented the light bulb, but apparently he didn't. It was somebody else. But he always gets the, the, uh, the credit for it. Thomas Edison, an inventor. I love this. He says, when you have exhausted all possibilities, remember you haven't. <laughs> an inventor doesn't give up. They keep trying. They keep going. Whoever invented the aeroplane, it didn't fly the first time. It would have crashed. And the second time, and then gradually over time, through trial and error, through perseverance, through resilience, inventors have invented stuff that we take for granted all the time. Your smartphones, they never existed in that. Who would ever have imagined that you can speak face to face with somebody on the other side of the world? Incredible. It was never like that when I was a kid. Thomas Edison, when you have exhausted all possibilities, remember you haven't. And from a Christian point of view, from a biblical point of view, often we find we don't know the way to go. But actually God does have solutions. How does God give us strength? First of all, God gives us strength through wisdom and direction. God promises in Psalm 32 verse 8, I will, I love that word, I will, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you. There's a promise. Maybe you've come to a crossroads. Maybe it's a big change ahead and you're not sure what to do. Pause. Don't panic. Ask God. He promises. He will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. James chapter 1, verse 5. If any, of, any one of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously. The Lord gives strength to his people. It's not necessarily this magical stuff that drops upon you. He promises the guide to instruct and bring wisdom to us. And how does that wisdom come? Sometimes it comes through you and me just talking together as we fellowship together as believers. There's a guy in your church called John Mason. Has anybody heard of this guy? Well, uh, I had the privilege of going to his house, and he makes very nice coffee. Um, but I came, and, and normally I'm, I'm a very quiet person, aren't I? But I was very talkative this particular day, and I was basically speaking from my heart about stuff that was happening in my life, uh, choices, decisions, responses to a particular situation. And I was just kind of just throwing it all out there, and John said some words that instantly brought clarity, peace, vision was restored. You did, probably don't know this. Yep. But the wisdom of God was coming through John. And that advice was absolutely brilliant. And I was like, why didn't I think of that? I can explain the Trinity with three Coca-Cola cups. But this particular situation I was in, I needed the wisdom of God. And also, clearly, God speaks through his word. He brings wisdom through his word. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. Um, 
All scripture is inspired of God, beneficial for teaching, for rebuking, for disciplining in righteousness, that the, the, the man of God may be thoroughly furnished for every good work. Feed on God's word. If you're going through a situation at the moment, read the Bible. Read it consistently. And so often, the answers, the solutions are actually there in black and white. Or if you have the red letter edition, they're in red. Get into the word of God. God desires to bring wisdom to every situation you're in. Find out what that wisdom is. It's like looking for buried treasure. The treasure is there. We need to go searching for it. So God promises to bless his people with Oz, with strength. And part of that strength comes through wisdom and direction. Read the word of God. Seek out the counsel of God. Job 23, verse 12, many of you know this verse. Job says, I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Seek God, have a hunger for his word. Find out and unlock the wisdom from the scriptures. The second way God brings strength to his people is through encouragement. Through encouragement from other people within the church. And what I love about the church is we're all different. I, when I've spoken at this church before in the evening, I've said, my kind of personality is I'm very quiet. I'm a man of very few words. <laughs> Where I live in crew, anybody from our church, when they see me coming, I think they get scared because if, if they ask me how I am, uh, we can have a 20-minute discussion. So, and uh, probably a Bible study as well. So... Um, so I talk, I do talk a lot, and some people have actually said what I say makes sense, which is kind of good. I don't waste my words, but I do use them a lot. But you know, within the body of Christ, we have people who are encouragers. We have people who have great um, ability with hospitality to make people feel welcome, to feel at home, to create a safe space to talk. And you know, when we're going through difficulties, part of our building resilience is recognizing that God brings aside us, uh, alongside us, people who are encouragers. Uh, very recently, we had we had to get a carpenter to to do some to do some work um, at the back of our house. Uh, we had a gate that wouldn't shut properly because you know with the bad weather, the wood had kind of swollen and stuff. And if anybody knows me, DIY means don't involve yourself. You know, <laughs> fast track, go to the experts. So he also um, fixed our shed door, which had swollen up. It wouldn't fix, it wouldn't shut, which is great. It's got a lock on, but what's the point when you can't lock the shed door? So DIY, don't involve yourself, bring in the experts. Fantastic. So he pulls up, I know this guy pulls up with his van, and he's got like big tools, he's got little tools. And he just needed to shave three millimeters off this wooden door. And he had a, like a big saw. And, and, and it's all lined up and he's got his like uh, benches to lay the gate on. And the, it's like, what? And he managed to trim three millimeters off. And then he has a special thing that sands it down. And he, nobody uses, nobody that's a tradesman now uses a screwdriver. It's all fantastic. And I thought to myself, 
The body of Christ, we're like a massive toolbox. So many different tools, and each tool has a role and a purpose to achieve the, the, the goal that's needed. And so you may be that tool, part of the toolbox. You are the encourager. So how does God bring Oz strength to his people? It might be you coming alongside me and encouraging me when times are hard, or me coming to you and coming alongside you when times are hard. So God brings strength through wisdom, bringing wisdom to us, also through the encouragement of others. Another thing God does, and I don't understand this, he puts his presence within us. I, I'll be honest, I don't understand it, but it works. God has promised that he will live within us as believers. How does that work? Is it that is it like um, if, if we were all glasses, empty glasses, and God's a big jug of water, does he tip a little bit of him in you, a little bit in you, a little bit? No, but, but yes. God doesn't come into us partially. He comes into us fully. But how does that work? I'll be honest. I don't know. But it does. Paul says in Colossians chapter 1, he says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Not Christ outside of you, Christ in you. And Jesus said in um, Acts chapter 1 verse 8, he says, And you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. How does that work? I don't know, but it works. A black and white cow eats green grass and makes white milk. I don't understand it, but it works. God has promised to make us into a resilient people by putting himself into each one of us. And the only way I can think of it is like this. Christmas Day, a little child has always wanted one of those toy cars that are kind of remote control. You know the ones? I, I was never privileged to have one as a child, but these, are, these amazing toys, these trucks, these cars, wow. Comes Christmas Day, the kid rips open the paper, realizes it's the toy he's always wanted, but there's some writing on the side of the box that says batteries not included. And the child has to spend the rest of the day pushing that car along because mum and dad didn't check the instructions and there was no batteries. They had to get the batteries for the car. But the good news about the gospel is batteries are included. We have the presence and the power of God living in us that can help us live a resilient life. Another way God brings strength, Oz, to his people is through what I call the gift of remembrance. And what I mean by that is, whatever trial, struggle, difficulty you're going through now, pause and look back how God has been faithful to you in the past. That's what I mean by the gift of remembrance. Look back how God has led you up to this point. 
He has been faithful. I wrote some verses down, which I'm going to read out to you. Talking about the faithfulness of God. So think about the gift of remembrance. Trusting in the character, the wonderful, powerful God that we serve. We may think we've come against a brick wall. We don't know the way through. We don't know the answer. But God actually says, hang on. Look at my track record. Just go back in your life. Get a piece of paper and a pen and see in the past where I have been faithful, where I have answered your prayers. You've been here before, but I brought you through it even though you didn't know the answers. Let's look at the character of God. Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6. God says, be strong. It says God's word, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, for the Lord God will not fail you. And the message paraphrase of that verse says, don't be intimidated. Have you ever felt intimidated by a situation? Don't be intimidated. Don't give a second thought because God won't let you down. Joshua 21 verse 45. Not one word failed that the Lord God spoke to the people of Israel. Everything came out right. 1 Kings 8.56 According to all that he promised, there has not found one word of all of his good promises that has failed. Wow. Do you see a theme here? 1 Chronicles 28.20 Be strong and of good courage. Fear not, nor be dismayed. For the Lord God will not fail you. Zephaniah 3 verse 5, the just Lord is in the midst of you and fails not. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 9, God is faithful by whom you were called into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And the passion um, translation of that verse says, God is forever faithful and can be trusted. How does God give strength to his people? One of the ways is through the gift of remembrance. Look back. Look how God's character has been unfailing in the past, where he's helped you through difficult situations. And finally, the way God brings us, brings strength to his people to help us be resilient people he brings what I call the gift of forward-looking. So we've just talked about looking back at God's faithfulness. God gives us the gift of looking forward. Now, before I close with my final verse here, when I was a teenager, I did karate. Okay? Um, and people have got different attitudes about martial arts. All I know is when you get hit, it hurts. Um, but I had the wonderful opportunity, my karate instructor said, today we are going to be breaking tiles, concrete roof tiles, ridged concrete roof tiles, with your elbow. Whoa. So he showed me what to do, and I did in my best karate pose. I used my elbow to smash this roof tile, 
and it didn't work. <laughs> Instead, I felt an incredible amount of pain and thought I'd broken my arm. But then he said to me, he says, the problem is not your technique. He says, the problem is the attitude. He said, when you went to smash that roof tile, you didn't think you could do it. And so you held back. You need to really smash, not the top of the tile, you need to be going through it with all your power and say to yourself, I can do this. And for me, that's, I mean, it was such a great opportunity for me. So now I know that if ever I get mugged by a ridged roof tile, I know how to attack it. Um, I've ne in all that time, I've never actually been able to do that. I've never been mugged by a roof tile. But this concept of, of going through the target, looking beyond, that's why I'm saying here, God wants us to look forward. When we're discouraged now, that isn't to minimalize any problems and pressures we're going through. But God says, I want you to go beyond that. I want you to see the big picture. And it's like life is like a big construction site full of dust, pipes. If ever you've seen a construction site, it's a complete mess. It looks absolute chaos. And our lives can feel that way. But often in modern construction development projects, Next to the construction site, they have a computer-generated picture of the final product. So it could be a new leisure center. So you look at the construction site and you think, what? Pipes, is trucks, is bricks, is dust. It's just a complete mess. But if you look at the completed picture, the vision of what it's become, it looks good. And there comes a day when it looks good. And when we're being discouraged, God wants us to look forward to see what he has promised in the future. In Isaiah 49, verses 9 and 10, God reveals something about himself. He says, remember the former things, those of long ago. That's looking back. He says, I am God and there is no other. I am God, there is none like me. I, listen to this, I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand. God wants us to be a resilient people and give us a, God, a gift of forward vision, looking forward into the future, to gain encouragement from the final picture. Just like the construction site, it's a mess, but the computer-generated picture it's wonderful. God wants us to fix our vision on the finished product. I want to close by reading um, some verses from Revelation 20, 21. Verse 1, Now I saw a new heaven. So this is God's picture, his plan uh, coming to fulfillment in the future. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth have passed away. Also, there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, 
and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. Listen to the next bit. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said, Write, for these words are true and faithful. There's no need to be an egg falling to the ground and smashed. God wants you to be like a tennis ball, bouncing back. And he gives us the gifts and the power and his presence to be resilient people. And this is my message to you in Jesus' name. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that, God, we have woken up. We don't need to smell the coffee, but we can smell the fragrance of Jesus. Thank you that you are with us in this life. You are with us with all the trials that we're going through or may go through in the future. Father, I thank you for your promise to give us Oz, to give us strength, to keep going like that boxer, and to be victorious in Jesus' name. Amen.